Thank you, Phil. Appreciate that song. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 4 tonight, please. Matthew chapter number 4. I've been speaking recently on the path of Peter the last number of months. When I've been speaking, we've gone through various parts of his epistles and his life and just looked at different places in the epistles of Peter where he's given us life advice, where he's given us advice that is timeless, advice that is godly, and advice that is very, very practical. And tonight, I want to go in a bit of a different direction in the life of Peter. Tonight, I want to address some of the strengths in the life of Peter. I think anybody that knows the Bible well would tell you that when it comes to strength, whatever type of strength we might be talking about, Peter is a man that would, 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 you would think of as a strong man in Scripture. Um, that doesn't mean that Peter didn't have weaknesses. It just means that Peter was not a weak man. All, all of us have weaknesses. You know, a lot of our weaknesses we get from God directly, and he gives those to us in order for us to overcome them. Um, you know, he picks your strength, he picks your weaknesses. And so just because you have a weakness doesn't mean you give into it. Uh, God gives you a weakness so that you can overcome that, whether that be your family past, your past, whatever it might be, uh, or just a personality type, you must overcome that. And so it's not that Peter w didn't have weaknesses, it's that Peter was not, by and large, by anyone's definition, a weak man. Uh, although when I talk about Peter's strength, understand I'm not simply referring to his physical strength, although that is part of what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but overall, listen, the Apostle Peter, he was a strong man. He was strong in character. He was strong physically. He was strong in a, in a number of ways. Um, this is how we would describe Peter. Peter was strong in a balanced perspective. You know, as you looked at Peter across his character, he showed strength in a lot of different areas. Peter was not strong in just one area and weak in every other area. Peter's strength can be seen in multiple areas of his life. It's not that he was perfect in any one area of his life. If we were grading on a scale, he might have A's and B's in some areas and quite frankly, C's and D's in others. But as a whole, you know, Peter would have made the honor roll if we were grading uh, his strengths. He was, a, he was a strong man. And for whatever reason, the Lord Jesus Christ through the scriptures allows us to really get to know this man, Peter. Christ gets, uh, allows us to get to know Peter through the four gospels, he allows us to get to know Peter in the book of Acts. He allows us to get to know Peter through some of Paul's epistles and specifically through, through Peter's own epistles, we get to know Peter. Have you ever stopped to think about some of the people in Scripture that, you know, there's two specifically that most people know of uh, that don't have any sins recorded against them? In fact, I'll just ask, does anybody know the two main Bible characters that don't have any sins recorded against them in Scripture? Joseph, who else? Daniel. Joseph and Daniel have no specific called out sins uh, recorded against them in Scripture. But you ever stop and think about this? If you got to know them more, you would see their sins. They had them, but for whatever reason, Christ didn't let you get as close to some of these people as he did Peter. The reason you know about Peter's weaknesses in his, in his times of failure, and just like David, is because Christ allowed you to get to know him that well. And so if you got to know Joseph any better, if you got to know Melchizedek any better, John the Baptist any better, Daniel any better, you would see weaknesses in their lives as well. Uh, but here's the point about Peter tonight. He had strength that truly went across a number of different areas in his life. Nearly my entire adult life have been, has been spent with young people. Uh, it has been spent with teenagers, with young adults, with young married couples. And one of the things that I would tell you in an, as an observation is, I have seen many young people through the years who are very gifted academically. 
but they literally do not know how to sweep out a garage. I, I've seen people who, young people who could hit a 300-foot home run, who, and I'm not making this up, don't know how to hold a dustpan. Young people who uh, uh, could do great musical uh, feats or athletic feats. I remember a young man one time, a young teenager, it's not like he was 18, he was, he was probably 13 years old. We were at a VBS site, and I asked him to open up a garbage bag and tape it to the end of the table, how we do sometimes at VBS. He literally could not open a garbage bag. I'm not talking about like, you know, he didn't know how to tie it up, although good night at 13, you should know how to tie up a garbage. He couldn't get it from the roll and figure out how to get the, which end to open up. And, and I would say to you, great, he can quote a Bible verse. But if that kid can't at 13 even open up a garbage bag, he, you're, you're not teaching him to live a very balanced life. Okay, Peter was a balanced man in his strength. Um, you should push your kids to the things of God. I'm not, not telling you don't to teach them Bible verses or not to send them to kids programs or the youth ministry. I think it's great when young people can hide God's word in their heart, but understand something. Even if they know their states and capitals by the age of six, they should know how to sweep out a garage, cut the grass, help mom around the house, help dad in the yard. They should be living a balanced life beyond just a few key areas in their life. And tonight I want to look at three areas in the life of Peter where Peter showed strength, not in one area of life, but across his life. And these are areas that we should develop as adults. These are also areas that we should develop in our children and if you're blessed to have them in your grandchildren. I think you would agree with me, biblically speaking, God does not want us to be weak. He, he, in fact, he commands us, be strong and have good courage. Okay, he wants us to be like himself in more than his holiness. He wants us to be like himself in more than his mercy and more than his grace. Listen, he wants us to be like him in his strength. He wants us to be like him in his courage. And that's who Peter was. It's not that Peter wasn't, didn't have weaknesses, but across his life, at least what we know about him in scripture, nobody would describe Peter as a weak man. Notice what the Bible says about three areas in Peter's life. We'll start in Matthew chapter 4. Number one, Peter was strong in body. Peter was physically a strong man. Notice what a couple of the references to Peter and his strength, or at least his physical uh, uh, work ethic in the scriptures. Notice Matthew chapter 4. By the way, this is the very first reference to Peter in the entire Bible. This is on the heels of Jesus's uh, 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 public ministry. At the end of chapter three, Jesus is baptized. That presents him for public ministry in chapter four. The beginning of chapter four, Jesus is led up uh, from the spirit, driven into the spirit by the, uh, I'm sorry, driven into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted of the devil. As soon as Jesus conquers the three temptations of Satan, he gives a, a, a reference to John the Baptist here in jo uh, Matthew chapter four. But when his actual ministry starts, Jesus Christ, that is, Notice the first reference in Jesus' public ministry. It is a reference to Peter himself. Notice the Bible says in verse 18, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. Here it is, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Notice the very first reference to Peter in all the Bible is that of his work ethic, his working, 
He's a diligent man. Peter was casting a net, and it's not insignificant that the very first reference to Peter in the entire Bible is that of a working man. Listen, Peter Peter was a hard-working man. Peter was not a hard-working man because he was blue-collar. Listen, if if you work with your hands, you know, get beyond your own mind to think that, you know, bless God, the white-collar man has never done a day's work uh, in his life. That's an immature way to think about things. Listen, white-collar people, blue-collar people, if you work hard, whether it be with your hands or with your mind, that's what God expects of you. In Peter's case, he was a blue-collar man. He was a, he was a man that worked with his hands. And the first reference is to him casting a net into the sea. Understand, Peter's strength in body was partly because he was a working man. Peter was a hardworking man. By the way, Peter was not a hardworking man in just one area of his life. I don't think Peter cast a net into the sea and then he let his house go to pot. I don't think that's what he did. I don't think, you know, Peter was taking care of the business but let his ship, you know, fall apart. I, I don't think that's who Peter was. Peter was a hardworking man across all areas of his life. Peter was a man that worked hard willingly. Peter, by the way, Peter didn't have to be convinced by his wife to go to work. Peter was a hardworking man. He had a small business. He employed a few people. And so he was a hardworking man who chose to work willingly. His work, like all people, gave him a sense of purpose in his life. Peter enjoyed his work. Listen, there there, there was a contentment in the heart of a person that works hard all day long. When you go to bed at night and you're weary from your work, there is a contentment in your spirit. I don't care whether you've worked all day in an office and then came home and worked at, at home. I don't care if you've worked at a hospital and came home and worked. I don't care if you've worked in, in, in a factory and came home and worked more. If you've worked all day long, when you rest your head on your pillow at night, there is a contentment there. By the way, the opposite is also true. If you're lazy all day long, there's an uneasiness in your spirit. There's no satisfaction. You sit on your phone for hours a day you know you're like rotting your brain away. Sometimes you'll sit there on your phone and you don't even want to be doing it while you're doing it. It's just this addictive nature where you keep doing it. Listen, you work hard all day long. There's a contentment there. You're lazy all day long. uh, There's an emptiness there. Go up to Matthew chapter 17. Let's look at something else in the life of Peter regarding his physical strength. Matthew chapter 17. I hope when you read your Bible, Every day, you pay attention to the words that are are used in Scripture. Every word's important. Every reference is important. And I want you to see something in Matthew chapter 17, uh, just like what we read in Matthew 4 about casting a net. It's oftentimes things that we kind of read over and we don't think much about. Notice what the Bible says about Peter and his strength in Matthew chapter 17. The Bible says in verse 1, and after Matthew 17, 1, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up, watch this, into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. Notice in this story of the Mount of Transfiguration, it's a very famous story, that's not the topic for tonight. The topic for tonight was that, think about this, Peter, in his likely early 30s, was physically capable of climbing a mountain. In fact, the Bible doesn't even just call it a mountain, it calls it a high mountain. That actually is a phrase that's not used very often in Scripture. Usually, when the, when the word mountain is used, it's just mountain. In fact, in the Gospels, there's only two references to a high mountain. This mountain here, where, where the Mount of Transfiguration took place, is called a high mountain. 
And the other mountain that's called a high mountain in the Gospels is where Satan took Jesus to tempt him and show him all the kingdoms of the world. The Bible says Satan took him up into a high mountain. And so it's just an interesting thought that as uh, Peter was following physically and spiritually the ministry of Jesus Christ, Jesus physically was capable of climbing a high mountain. Peter was capable of climbing a high mountain. A couple of weeks ago, we went to West Virginia with the college kids and we went rappelling off of the side of a mountain. The only rappelling I had ever done was in the military at the rappel tower. It's a confined area, it was controlled, or at like rock climbing, indoor rock climbing places, you, you know, climb the wall and then you sort of rappel down. I had never actually been rappelling off the side of a mountain. And can I tell you, it is, uh, it is pretty frightful. Like there's the moment where you get past this point of a 45 degree angle and you're like the point of no return and, and like, you want to come back. Like, for instance, Luis, he chickened out and came back. He eventually did it, but, you know. But there's this moment where you're like, you're arcing back and you're looking down and there's 900 feet of rock below you. And you're like, man, I could die. And, and you're rappelling down this mountain. Well, when you rappel down the mountain, you only go down, I don't know, it was 100 feet, 150 feet. I don't really remember how far it was. And then you climb back up. Well, you're climbing that mountain, and, and I think I did it like three times, maybe four, I, I don't really remember, but you're exhausted when you're climbing that mountain. The next day we go canoeing on whatever river we were on, it was pretty cool. Well, there's a stretch of the river where Mindy and I were in the boat together, and we look and the, the guides point to us where we had repelled the day before. Well, when they point to where we had repelled, we could see from a distance that we had only climbed like the top 10th of the mountain. And I'm like, dude, you are so lazy. The top 10th of the mountain is all you could do. Because as you sit back from a distance, you see how big that mountain really was. You're like, dude, that would have killed me. So I don't know how high the mountain was here in the scriptures. This much I know, it was a high mountain and Peter was physically able to do it. I'm not saying Peter was an Olympic athlete. I'm saying in his late 20s, his early 30s, maybe his late 30s, physically speaking, he could walk up and climb a mountain. Listen, there should be things physical that you can do within the confines of your age, and it shouldn't kill you. Listen, young men here should know how to do push-ups. You should know how, you, you should physically be able to cut your grass and not, you know, break out into a panic if you're within the confines of the age where you can do that, all right? Peter was a physically fit man enough, strong in body, that he could cast nets regularly every day for, as his job, but he could also climb a mountain occasionally when he needed to. It actually doesn't stop there. Go up to John 21. I want, to see, want you to see something else physically that Peter was capable of doing. Again, I'm not pretending Peter was some sort of Olympic athlete. I'm not pretending he was a world-class whatever. I'm simply saying that he was basically in good shape. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying he did not let himself go physically. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 21. This is obviously after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. This is when Jesus comes to them and appears to his disciples. Uh, and he says in verse 5, Jesus does, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. He said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw, draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that, that guy right there, that's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, 
it is the Lord. Now, when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Now, let me, let me just pause right here for just a moment. When the Bible says that Peter was naked, understand, biblically speaking, he was naked from the waist up. That's what that means. That's why it says fisher's coat about him. That's why. Okay, so Peter, Peter was, was out there fishing with the guys. It was just guys. He, was, he, he took his outer garment off of him. He still had his britches on or whatever he would have had. Uh, and so when he geared his fisher's coat about him, that's why it was a coat covering the top part of him. And so, but, but notice what happens. He throws his fisherman's coat on him. The Bible says in verse seven, and did cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. So notice what Peter did. He basically, in our vernacular, he puts on a bathrobe, right? And swims for 100 yards. 200 cubits is about 100 yards. If you go to your local YMCA, that's probably a 25 yard uh, pool. However, how do they measure that? 25 meters, whatever it is. Who knows? It's a Britain metric system. We like the English. So I want to say 25 yards. I think that's about what the YMCA pool typically is. So it's four lengths of the local YMCA pool. That's what Peter's swam. He swam that immediately. He didn't warm up. He jumped in and swam 100 yards. That gives you an example that he was in some semblance of shape. But it doesn't stop there. Notice what the Bible says in verse 9. As, they were, uh, as soon as they were come to this land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, bring, the, bring of the fish which ye have caught. Simon Peter, watch this. Simon Peter went up. Now, how, how many people are here? There's one person that, that, the, that the Spirit of God is addressing here. Simon Peter went up and drew the, multi, uh, I'm sorry, drew the net to land full of great fishes and 153. And for all, there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Notice, single-handedly, Peter walks out into the water and drags it up onto land physically. After he swam 100 yards, by the way, this net was so big, notice what happened in verse eight. This net was so big at the end of verse eight, the Bible says, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. So the net was so full of fishes that fishermen opted to leave it in the water instead of hoisting it up onto the boat like they would normally do. And so they get, this, they get to, to shore, you know, Peter gets out of the water. Can you imagine Peter getting out of the water with a fisher's coat? Like, he didn't go up to Jesus and just stop. You know he threw his arms around Jesus. So like Jesus is soaked with Peter's, you know, seawater and his, and his robe around him and everything else. And then Jesus gives some sort of command to get the fish ready. Peter turns, Peter walks into the water and then drags it single-handedly up onto the shore. And he gives us the amount of fish, 153. The Bible says uh, great fishes. So these were big fish. Here's my point. Peter was able to swim 100 yards and then physically, single-handedly drag 153 fish up onto the shore. He wasn't an Olympic athlete. He wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. But Peter was physically strong enough to take care of himself and his family. As a man, one of Peter's strengths was his physical strength. His strength was, was not specialized. It wasn't only in his body. But one of the areas that, that the Bible shows us that he had some semblance of strength was his physical body. Let me ask you a question. If you were offered any car in the world, somebody was going to purchase you any car in the world. It didn't matter what it was. Money was not an object. They were going to purchase you a car of your choosing. 
Then, once you got the card, they were going to give you a credit card. They were going to give you a credit card for all the gas that you would ever use for that car. They would also tell you that that credit card was also good for all of the repairs and all of the maintenance on that car. If you need new tires, put it on the credit card. Somebody else will foot the bill. So you get any car that you could possibly want. You get all of your gas paid for for the life of that car. You get all of the repairs and all of the maintenance done for the life of that car. That You would say that that's a pretty good deal. But then let me ask you a question. The catch is this. You could never, ever get another car after that car. That is the only car you would ever get for the rest of your life. Would you take care of that car? Would you make sure that the maintenance was, taken to, uh, the, the maintenance was done on that car? Would you, if the check engine light went on, would you make sure that the, you know, whatever service needed to be done, uh, you wouldn't just put the black electrical tape on like some women do and just pretend that it's not there, right? You'd take it in and make sure that the work was done. It's the only car that you would ever get. You get one car for the rest of your life. You could never trade it in. How good would you take care of that car? You would do your best. Well, think about this regarding physical strength. How many bodies do you get? How good do you take care of that one body that God gave you? You get one. You don't get two bodies. You get one body to carry out God's mission for your life for the rest of your life. And if you abuse that body, if you don't take care of that body, listen, God is limited. Think about this. God is limited on what he can do through your life if you do not take care of that one body. If somebody gave you a car and that's the only car you get for the rest of your life, man, you would take care of that. But listen, God gave you something more valuable than a car. He gave you one body for which you could serve him for the rest of your life. And some people in this room, you, you, you abuse that body. You don't take care of that. I'm not saying you need to be an Olympic athlete. I'm saying like Peter, you should be able to do something physical within the confines of your age and your ability to take care of yourself and to take care of your family. Peter was strong in body, but it wasn't just strong in body. Go to Matthew chapter eight. We'll look at where else Peter was strong. Matthew chapter number eight. Notice what the Bible says that Peter had in Matthew chapter eight. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number eight, verse number 14. Bible says, and when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Notice what Peter had in his life in verse 14. When Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid sick of a fever. So Peter had a house that he took care of. Peter had a wife that he took care of. Peter was so compassionate. We don't think about this in, in, in the life of Peter. But Peter was so compassionate that Peter cared for the people that his wife cared about. He was taking care of his mother-in-law. If Peter's mother-in-law, if that woman was important to Peter's wife, then that woman was important to Peter. I'm not saying that, he, that that woman wouldn't have been important to Peter regardless. I'm simply saying that Peter was a compassionate man. Peter had character to take care of his house. Peter had character to take care of his wife and whatever family he might have had. Jump up to Luke chapter 5. I want you to see what else Peter had. Possessions in this world. Peter had a house. Peter had a wife. Peter, Peter had family. Listen, when Peter went into full-time ministry, this was a big deal to, to, to leave his family. 
He went into full-time ministry for the rest of his life, and he effectively didn't have the same relationship and interactions with his family that he used to. Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 5, verse number 3. And he, that's Jesus, entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. Notice, Peter also had a ship. Peter had a house. Peter had a wife. Peter had a mother-in-law. Peter had a ship. He actually had a fishing business. He was in business with his, with his brother Andrew, his, his friends, probably his best friends, James and John, and they had servants. The Bible says that they basically had employees working for them. Peter was a small business owner. And so when it comes to Peter's character, understand, Peter had enough character to get a house, to get a business, to, 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 to buy a boat, to employ people. Peter had high character, but understand something. Jump up in your Bible to... Uh, actually, you're, it's the same story. I'm sorry. Verse number five. This is a, a famous story to most of us. Verse number five. This is a story where uh, Peter, I'm sorry, Jesus was preaching and then uh, they, had, they had toiled all night and couldn't, couldn't catch anything. Notice what the Bible says in verse four. It says, and when he had left speaking, that's Jesus, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered and said unto him, master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. And so he let down the net, and then they caught a, a, a great catch of fish. But I want you to see a phrase in verse 5 that Peter says that gives you a picture into his character. Notice in verse 5, Peter says, Master, we have toiled, here it is, all the night. All the night. Understand about Peter's character. Peter was strong in character because Peter didn't give up even when he didn't catch anything all night long. He didn't give up after the first hour or the second hour or the third hour or the fourth hour. Peter says that him and his, uh, him and his co-workers, him and his employees, him and James and John, they toiled all the night. They weren't lazy all the night. They toiled all the night. And so Peter's character was such that even when life didn't go well for him, he did not give up. He toiled all night, he caught nothing, and he never gave up. He, he was determined that on that next cast, on that next throw, that by the grace of God, he would catch something he never did. But here's the point. He never gave up. Peter was clearly seen having strength of character to simply not give up, even when life wasn't going the way that he wanted, to, wanted it to. Let me ask you a question regarding character in your children, your grandchildren, whoever it might be that, that you're in leadership over. Are you pushing your children, your grandchildren, those in your, under your care, are you pushing them toward their talents or are you pushing them toward their character? Let me ask you a question. You, you know what you're pushing them toward based on what you compliment. Listen to your compliments to those under your care. Do you compliment children and their, your grandchildren, those in your care? Do you compliment their talent, their intelligence and their beauty or do you compliment their character? Understand, Peter was strong in character, and what God is teaching us through the whole of Scripture is that ta a talent, intelligence, and beauty, ultimately that comes from God. Character is something that we choose. And so when you're complimenting somebody, especially a child, on their talent, their intelligence, and their beauty, I'm not saying don't compliment that. I'm saying that should not be the overall theme of your compliments. Listen, you should be encouraging and pushing young people to, to see the character that they need in life. Listen, understand, their talent at some point, it's going to fade away. Oh, but he's such a good basketball player. Yeah, okay, buddy. Wait till he's 30 and fat. All right. 
where's basketball going to be then? Push him toward his character. I, I think you should be intelligent, but ultimately that's the gift of God. Listen, intelligence with no character is nothing. Push them toward their character. Push them to something that they can choose, not necessarily to something that was picked for them. I don't think it's wrong to tell some, you know, three-year-old girl that she's beautiful. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying, be cognizant of what you're complimenting in young people. Oh, you're so smart. You're so pretty. You're so handsome. You know what? How about good job on cleaning out the garage? How about good job on putting your toys away? How about good job? Man, those, the, 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 the grass that you cut, man, those lines are straight. Good job, buddy. How about that? That is character. That is what will pay off in life. You get these young girls, man, you, and we were all like this, so you can't be too critical, but these girls, oh, he's so cute. He's got such a good sense of humor. Yeah, you know how much uh, money, a good sense of humor deposits in the bank? Nothing. A good work ethic does. I don't care how good of jokes he can tell. He's going to be ugly just like the rest of us too one day. Can he work hard? Can he provide? Push people toward their character. Guys are no different. Young guys. Oh, she's, she's a hottie. She's just so pretty. Listen, does she listen to her parents? She kind of, is she constantly mouthing at her mother? Is she, does she always think she's smarter than her mom? Stay away from her. Great, she's good looking. She has no character. Peter was strong in, in his body. Peter was strong in character. And go to John chapter 18. We'll look at one other area and we'll be finished. Peter was strong in his friends. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I've said this to young people hundreds of times. Show me your friends. In fact, Come on, young people. Show me your friends and what? Even Heather knows it. Fantastic. I'll show you your future. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Who you associate with, that is who your future is going to be. You're not special. You don't get to be, you know, Mr. Godly and hang out with the heathen and think that you'll turn out well. No. Show me your friends. I will show you your future. Peter was no different. Understand Peter's personality. Peter was, we would call him a very charismatic person. You people wanted to be around Peter. There's a reason Peter was the leader of the apostles. He is listed first on every list of, uh, of any apostle ever listed, even the lists of Peter, James, and John. Peter's always listed first. And so Peter was a very engaging, charismatic personality. You wanted to be around Peter. But Peter seemed to have a friend in his life that helped him to remain strong. And when Peter was around this particular friend, Peter did really well. But when Peter got away from this one friend, Peter failed. Hear me. Peter failed big time and Peter failed immediately. This was not a process in Peter's life. The moment that he got away from this one friend was the moment that he failed. Notice what the Bible says. In John chapter number 18, verse number 15. Notice this friend, verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest. 
and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. We're not given his name, but we know by context that this other disciple in verse 15 is, is, is the apostle John. Understand something. When Peter was with John, Peter did really well. And in verse 15, notice what happens. Notice the separation in verse 15. The Bible says, and Peter's, Simon Peter followed, uh, followed Jesus. So, so real quick class, according to verse 15, who's Simon Peter following? It tells you right there. He's following Jesus. And so did another disciple that was known to the high priest. So who was John following? Jesus. Watch what happened. That disciple was known to the high priest and went in with Jesus. So John continued to follow Jesus. Did you notice that? Look at the very next verse. But Peter stood at the door without. Notice the separation between Peter and John. When Peter followed John, Peter did well. And the moment that Peter got away from John, the rest of the story is right here, the three denials of Christ. He literally denied Jesus Christ the very moment that he got away from his best friend, John. That man, John, who helped to accentuate the strengths of Peter, when that man was gone from Peter's life, all of Peter's weaknesses came to the surface. The weaknesses were there. But listen, John and his relationship with Peter helped to keep those at bay, helped to subdue them. And the moment that these two men were, gone, were separated one from another, John was fine because John continued to follow Jesus. Peter was not fine. He stopped hanging out with John and by, listen, by default, stopped following Jesus. And you can read the rest of the story there. He denies Christ three times. We're not gonna go through this story, this version of it, but go back to Luke 22. And I want you to see how close, physically speaking, Peter was in proximity to Jesus and John. Even though he was no longer following Jesus, even though he had separated himself from his best friend, John, he was still in close proximity to John. He was still in close proximity to Jesus. Because if we were to study the denials of Peter when he denied Christ, notice what happens on his third denial. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse number 60, Peter said, this is the third denial. Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew, watch this. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Understand they were in the same proximity. They were probably in the same room when, when Peter's third and final denial occurred. But yet when Peter got away from John, he got away from Christ. He was still close to Jesus in, in physical proximity, but he had stopped following him. And he went through the darkest time of his entire life. Why? Because although Peter was strong in his friends, he let that slip. And the moment that he got away from John is the very moment that he got away from Christ. And guess what? You don't even hear about Peter again until after the resurrection. We don't know what Peter did for those three days. We don't know where Peter went. We could turn there, but we're not going to for the sake of time. But if we go back to John, we'll see where John was. John was at the foot of the cross. John never stopped following Jesus. But the moment that Peter who, who by and large was strong in his friends, the moment he got away from his best friend, John, was the moment that he failed. Go up to Acts chapter three, because the, first, the entire first part of the book of Acts is about the ministry of Peter. And the entire second part of the book of Acts is about the ministry of the apostle Paul. The book of Acts is about the ministries of Peter and Paul in the early church. And in Acts chapter three, 
we see Peter back on the scene. He had preached at Pentecost. And understand something, he preached at Pentecost, in my opinion, for one reason. In John cha Acts chapter 3, verse number 1, notice who's with Peter again. Acts 3, 1. Now Peter and, here it is, John, went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. The moment that he got back with John is the moment that Peter got back right with the Lord because his, his friends were that important to his spiritual life. Notice in chapter four uh, of the book of Acts, the Bible says in verse 13, chapter four, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of watch this, Peter and John, not just Peter. We think about Peter's boldness, but understand Peter was bold in part because of John. He said, they, they said, we saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So for the rest of the first half of the book of Acts, what you see is Peter doing ministry with the great apostle John. Probably John walks off the pages of scripture for a time to take care of Mary, Jesus's mother. And then that's why you see John back at the end of the Bible with his epistles in the book of Revelation. Here's my point. Peter was strong in his friends, and the moment that he got away from strong friends is the moment that he failed. Uh, this is just my opinion. Do you know why I think that Bible Baptist Church has a lot of strong men in this church? I'm talking about opinionated men. I'm talking about men that will take a stand. Do you know why I think that is? I think that is, is because strong men are not repelled by strong men. Strong men are attracted to strong men. Peter, there was an attraction about Peter and John where they looked at each other. It's like, it's like David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. Listen, there was a strength there that they appreciated and that they respected. There was, there was, there's male competition everywhere, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about when it comes down to it, I want my friends to be strong in spirit. And that's who Peter was. That's who John was. When Peter was with John, he had strong friends. There's a reason that he did well. And the very moment that he got away from John is the very moment that he sank. Listen, there's a reason that Lot did good when Lot was with Abraham. But when contention came and it came time for them to separate, Lot failed. Because some weak people like Lot, they don't realize that they're weak. They're too proud to consider their own weaknesses. David desperately needed Samuel. He desperately needed Nathan. He needed Nathan to point his finger in the face of David and say, thou art the man. And when Nathan did that, David repented. Why? Because David was attracted to the strength and spirituality of other strong men. You look at Ruth and Orpah, it's the same thing, same principle. Ruth, there was an attraction to Naomi. Orpah, eh, if it fit her, she would stick with Naomi, but not when it got tough, not Ruth. Ruth said, I will never leave thee. Where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. There was an attraction there. You see, some weak people, they're too proud to admit that they're weak. Other times, weak people, they understand their weakness, and they know they need strong people in their life. But by the way, I'm like this. I know my weaknesses. I need strong men in my life. I need strong men to call me out on certain things. I need to be around. Listen, I enjoy being in deacon meetings. L listen, the camaraderie of those men, I need that. I need the men in this room to challenge me and to push me. Listen, iron sharpeneth iron. So the, uh, whatever that verse is, sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I need that. And so do you.
You must recognize your weaknesses. You must see that you need, you too need strong people in your life. You must, if you're going to be strong, you must have strong friends. By the way, if you're not saved, man, you're easy pickings for the devil. If you're saved and you know Christ as your Savior and you get with other strong people, listen, there is a protection there. So who was Peter? Peter was a man's man who was strong in body, he was strong in character, and he was strong in friends. Was he perfect? Of course not. He had weaknesses, but he was not a weak man. And his weaknesses came to the surface when he got away from his strong friends. And that's exactly what we need in our lives. We need to be strong in body. Physically speaking, we need, we need to be able to take care of ourselves physically. We need to be strong in character, pushing our children and grandchildren and those under our care toward character, not necessarily their talents. And we also need to be strong in friends. We need to have people in your, our lives that push us. That friend that kind of just, just, just gets under your skin sometimes because you know that there's certain areas where they're just better at you. Listen, you need those people in your life. They push you. They prod you. Listen, stop kicking against the pricks. Peter was not perfect. He certainly didn't get an A in every area of his life. But he wrote part of the Bible. Christ let us get very close to him to see his strength in his body, his strength in his character, and his strength in his friends. And that's something that all of us could do better at. We'll have a moment of invitation. You come if you need to. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us the blessings in our lives. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Lord, if anybody in here doesn't know Christ as Savior, Father, I pray that you'd be with them and convict their heart. Help them to get saved before it's eternally too late. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Be with this time of invitation now. In Jesus' name, amen.